Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There is a story for everyone here, because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybooks. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the Storybooks together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. Keeping in the spirit from this week as we are diving into some medical experts from Dr. Jeff Bland, today I want to introduce you guys to Patrick K. Porter, PhD. He's a neuroscience expert, award-winning author, and inventor of BrainTap. Dr. Patrick Porter is an award-winning author, educator, consultant, entrepreneur and speaker with 20 years of experience operating the largest self-help franchise in the world. He has become a highly sought after expert within the personal improvement industry, having sold over 3 million of his self-help products worldwide. Dr. Porter has been on the cutting edge of brainwave entertainment technology for 32 years. He was a developer of the MC, the first personal light and sound brain training machine, voted best new gadget of the year at the 1989 Consumer Electronics Show. Uh, and his team was voted the best new health APP at 2019 uh, Consumer Electronics Show. His newest brain training platform called BrainTap is distinctively designed to activate the brain's neuroplasticity, believe it or not, which is very, very interesting. The BrainTap headset uses light and sound technology in combination with Dr. Porter's proprietary guided visualization, audio sen- sensors, uh, sensors, audio sessions, sorry, to help people achieve brain fitness. You know, sometimes the words don't really roll off the tongue as well, but nonetheless, uh, it is what it is. So my friends, I think this conversation that I had with Dr. Porter is, is another fascinating one, especially for the fact that I know a lot of you may be interested in neuroscience or neuroplasticity at that, how the brain can change over time. So this is a very, very interesting conversation. I won't belay on the point anymore, but I will say if you do get something from it, please share it around to your friends and your family. Let everyone know about this one. It is 
quite um, an exhilarating conversation, I have to say so myself. And Dr. Porter is very, very interesting at that too. All right, my friends, you know what time it is. It is time to journey with me into this story box as we listen to the incredible wisdom, the advice, and the stories of none other than Patrick K. Porter. Yes, thank you, Jay. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. It's great to have you here, my friend. Uh, like I said in the in the just a moment ago, uh, you you're my first ever recording in my new studio in Queensland. <laughs> so uh, I'm sort of navigating everything as we go. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, actually. But my very first question for you is a question that I love starting off with all my guests. It is, what does success look like for you? Success to me is being healthy, having a great relationships with, with family and friends and anyone I'm working with and being able to do what I want to do when I want to do it. You know, that seems to be the, the main thing for me. Why is that success for you? Because I've made money before and I've seen other people that uh, money doesn't mean success to them. And I, th- I think having time with with family and just being able to enjoy myself and not have the 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 worries of uh trying to accumulate everything that I can in the world. But but basically, I, I feel that when I'm doing what I love to do, which is having fun speaking to people, talking about brain fitness and things of that nature, I that brings me the greatest joy. And I did that when I had no money. So I just have to remember that and keep, keep that focus. When you mention uh, brain fitness, for those people that don't know really what that entails, are you able to dive a little bit deeper for us? Yeah, well, well, most people think of fitness as uh, nutrition. You know, back in the 1800s, we all started learning about nutrition and vitamins in the 30s. And then in the, in the 50s, it got even bigger. And now it's just all the rage. Um, and then in the 70s, we got talking more about physical fitness and things like that. And I think now with the 2000s and beyond, we're looking at our brain differently because we're all getting better looking and more intelligent with age. So we need to keep our wits about us. And if we don't have our brains, and I think that, Uh, When I started in the 80s with the model of uh, helping people with their brains, it was because I needed it myself. I was I was basically uh, one of those kids that I love to be an artist, draw in in sports. That was my big thing. And uh, I had to I had to train my brain. And once I trained my brain and got it fit for what I needed to do, then I could have fun in school as well as have fun on the playing field. And I feel that most people are missing out. They give they give away one thing for the other and they. Most people do not look at their brain as something they can train and, and keep fit. So we're on a mission not only to better those billion brains, but to teach the rest of the world that we have a use it or lose it, just like our physical body. If we sit on our couch all day, potato chips, you know, and drinking beer, you know, we're not going to have a very shapely body, but also it's not going to function very well. The same is true with our brain. We need to challenge it, keep it going, but it also needs that rest and recovery. So I like to tell people there's many phases to brain fitness. It's not just stress it out 100% of the time. You know, we need to downregulate it as well. Is there a certain ratio between say 50% exercise and 50% rest, or is, is that the, not, not the right? Well, the best way to do it is we're, we're very fortunate in our day and age. We have all these smart devices. We can put them on our wrist, on our fingers. You know, we can put them in the room, whatever. And the biggest one that I think is get a heart rate variability monitor of some type and do your, do your measurement before you work out. And then after your workout, And in four hours time, you should be back to your baseline, which is before the workout. If you're not, then you need to scale up a little bit. So what we find most people do is they overtrain. 
And I'm talking about Olympic athletes, pro athletes. We work with them all uh, right down to uh, my grandson who's, you know, playing. They they just burn them out. And just like in track, and, and I was fortunate to run track in college. If I ran a quarter mile, I walked a quarter mile. We knew that back then, you know, for recovering the body. So it's not really a 50-50 ratio. It's really, if you're out of shape, then it might be a 30-70 ratio um, until you get into shape. You know, so we got to take care of ourselves. And with the tools we have at hand, everyone, uh, I wish there was a standardized one. We could just say, everybody do this. But you really have to listen to your body. And we now have the technology that we don't have to just guess. We can test. And so I, I think everyone needs to get the technology and start looking at that and also look at foods, because a lot of people don't realize uh, if they have that sleep monitor, like I'm like the HRV, uh, you can see if you eat right before bed, that's not giving your body enough time to metabolize and digest that food. So you don't get the sleep ratio that you need. And I think uh, that's also part of brain fitness is to wake up in the morning. We should feel energized. If, if the first thing you do is stumble to the kitchen to get your cup of coffee, you've got a regulation problem with your nervous system. You know, I, I love coffee and I, and, but I don't drink it right away. Usually it's about two hours into my day, maybe even two and a half because I want to get my nervous system regulating first. And that's all part of that brain fitness, your brain, 70% of your nervous systems in your brain. So a lot of people think I'm going to work out my body, but when you're working out your body, you're literally working out your brain. Uh, that's why we stand upright instead of crawling all fours. You know, we have that, that balance and that just, system that we have. I'm very big on movement. I mean, I get up at around 4, 4.15 every single morning and I go work out, exercise, go for a run and then do sort of like a 40 to 45 minute high intensity workout because I am big on the, not only the chemical rush that I get as a result, but I know how stimulating it is to my brain because I, I think so much clearer when I'm on those runs and my creativity is at its peak. And not only when I get home, uh, I feel invitalized and, and energized for, for the, the day ahead. And I do that without coffee, by the way, like I'm not a, I don't drink coffee at all. And I get up with that sheer energy cause I'm going to bed, uh, relatively early and I don't eat anything. I think I wait two hours before I actually go to bed. And I find that really, really helps me. But one of the things that I was curious about is you, you mentioned those, those wearables. Uh, now I don't wear any of those things, but do you know how accurate they are? Like, can we actually rely and depend on them? Well, we can, but they're all, they all have different metrics. So uh, there's one called the Oura Ring, which most people love and they use all the time. And I have it. Uh, Oura Ring is very easy to score really well in your sleep score. It's like, it's designed to make you feel good in the morning. So you tell everybody about it and you keep doing it. You know, as long as you get an hour of deep sleep, which we'll probably talk about a little bit before the show, but if you get that level four sleep, it's, if you get in one hour and you get two hours of REM sleep, you're going to, you're going to max that, that out, or you're going to get in the nineties. Uh, if you have the bio strap, and you do the same thing, the same sleep, because I've done it. We've done it many times in our research. We've had people wear them and the the band on the on the wrist. You have to get at least two hours of deep sleep and three hours of REM sleep to score on the same. So you just have to know which device you have. And by the way, we did a sleep study in Australia with the coal miners in eastern um, Australia. And we used BioStrap. 
Um, first thing was we had to teach them how to use it. You know, they weren't used to using those things, but they could, we could record four days at a time. And then our, the doctor that was working with us to get that research project would take them off their wrist and record their data. And as long as you keep stay consistent with the same data, you're going to be okay. Uh, of course, there's, it's not a sleep lab or they usually use pulse oximeters, which you wear on your finger to do the, the, the basic sleep lab. And that's going to look at uh, heart rate variability as well, but it's also going to look at the uptake. You know, a lot of people, are oxygen deprived that's why they need um, like sleep machines for sleep apnea and things like that so they get the oxygen in their body yeah how much because i i remember you talking about your work in the 80s compared to the work now how much has our brain health and our brain fitness changed over the course of that of that time has it gotten better or has it gotten worse because and has technology helped improve it at all yeah. Well, I think that our we're more aware of it now because we have technology to measure it. When I was first starting, we didn't have neurofeedback. So when people talk about brainwaves, we didn't have anything like that. We used um, what we call biofeedback, which a lot of people are aware of. We used hand temperature, respiration, you know, just basic, basic measures of breath and things of that to, to make sure. And we knew that we could get to 10 cycles, which was alpha. And that's, we use machines called GSR machines, galvanic skin response. We put our hands on them and it could measure the resistance of blood flow in the body. And when the body relaxes, we know we're in alpha. If you can make your hands warm, typically you won't have a headache. So that's one of the biofeedback techniques we'd use in the lab. Uh, but the problem was a lot of people under stress, you know, when you, when you have pain, it's hard to relax. So that's why we started measuring it. Now, about two years into it, they came out with a device called the mind mirror, which was one of the very first neurofeedback devices. And it didn't really feedback anything. What it did was it read the brain. We, are you in your right brain or your left brain? And we thought this was magical. There was no way it was going to get any better than this. I mean, this was like, the Holy Grail. And now we can, we can look at, you know, real time, even for $200, like a device like the Muse, you can get that and you can get a third party app where you can measure your brainwave frequencies. I mean, people don't understand this is like, if, if I could go back in time and show that I'd probably get a, a some kind of world prize or something. I mean, cause nobody knew what the brain was doing and we thought the brain was fixed. You know, like I was, I was an artist, right? So I had an artist brain, but my dad proved that wrong by teaching me to meditate and, and basically engaged my other side of the brain. And it was just about visualizing my end result, you know, what I wanted. And I started to use it in sports and then it just, it translated into my school life without me really trying. It just, when you downregulate the brain and get the brain to regulate instead of under stress, the biggest culprits, I think, to brain fitness are dopamine and adrenaline. You know, and these are in these day and ages, in fact, what's happened to us over the last two years, they claim that under stress environments like that, if someone's under, let's say you're going through a divorce or you're changing your job or your career or moving like you just did, all of those things are very stressful on the nervous system. In fact, if you have prolonged stress for a year, they claim that our brain will shrink three quarters of an inch. Now, if you take put on top of that, you're not drinking half your body's weight in ounces of water. You're not getting adequate fat, fiber, and protein. Your diet consists like, um, you know, most of the world sugar is their mainstay. And of course, that's a death knell to the brain and brain function is to provide it sugar because it thinks it's um, ketones, right? It doesn't, doesn't discern the sugar and it starts killing off cells. So I think today we're lucky that 
I think there's more problems today because of our environmental uh, changes and also our food changes, yeah. but also we know it's worse because we measure it. <laughs> you know, people, I mean, you can get neurofeedback for your home. You can get neurofeedback. You can go into clinics and do it. Now you can train your brain. We have about 3000 clinics worldwide using brain tap. I mean, this is a, it's, it's not only a business now, but it's something that we can measure and get results with. And now there's clinical research like, uh, just last week, I was at the National Institute of Health here, and I presented two of our research papers there that blew them away because we actually had evidence that something like mindfulness actually gets a result. And a lot of times it's just done with, uh, it's not done with clinical apparatus, it's done with questionnaires. We can actually measure the brain. So we have a more sophisticated HRV, which is called data pulse analysis. Uh, we call it NeuroCheck. In there, it's also in Australia. I mean, we have uh, probably six doctors that are using it there right now. And but it's six thousand dollars, so not a lot of end users are getting that to to put in their homes. <laughs> so BrainTap is six thousand dollars. Is that what you're saying? No, no. The, the, just this clinical device. The BrainTap uh, itself is is uh, just over six hundred dollars here U.S. So the you know the, it's not that much. But in the clinics, we have a a clinical program. It's we also use Wavi. I don't know if you ever heard of that, but Wavi is a device where we can put that on a person's head, and in 20 minutes, we can even see brain speed. And to give people a reason why that's important, in the 80s, we didn't know that what's happening in dementia or ADD or ADHD that one hemisphere is actually moving at a different speed than the other. So we actually designed training on the brain tap, brain training that can speed up the left hemisphere, slow down the right hemisphere. In our one study, we actually had a 49% neuroplastic change with women, 55, 65. But the biggest thing was they were all taken off the dementia scale during that study. And it's now on a bigger scale at, a, at another university here in the US where we're going to have Hopefully, we're looking at 35 to 60 um, people in that study that are diagnosed with the dementia moniker. The, I don't believe anyone is subject to dementia. We know it can change. We've had so much results with it. Our clinics have. We have to get it before it gets to Alzheimer's. And it's really about energy, Jay. So just like you get up in the morning, you have all this energy. Most people have given away their mitochondrial energy to things like sugar, to poor diet, to poor attitude, you know, to uh, a sedentary lifestyle. And all those things are the death knell to our nervous system. Yeah, I've heard so much about that positive reinforcement, giving your brain like those beliefs and what those beliefs actually do to your nervous system, all those things. It all comes into play, especially with exercise. Like if, if you're really, really struggling. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. 
Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. To push through a, a barrier, if you're constantly saying, I can't do it, I can't do it, then obviously your, your body's response is, okay, I'm going to stop. I, I can't do it anymore. But if you say that you can do it, you're more than likely to actually give yourself a bit, a bit more of a boost and your body's meant to react as such. So I, I totally agree with what you're saying there, but I, I'm curious about, so we've got Alzheimer's disease, which is, which is nasty. Um, and one, someone that I know recently passed away with, I think it was dementia or Alzheimer's, either one, uh, watching them deteriorate. It's really, really heartbreaking, but I'm curious is with the technology that we have in the future available to us with neuroplasticity, the ability for our brains to change. Are we able to develop something to reverse Alzheimer's disease or just dementia, you think? Well, no, I think we can. We just need a bigger hammer. Um, the, the, the biggest problem is that the mitochondrial health, just to give you, a, a, the worst thing that can happen to somebody is they go to their doctor and he says, you've got Alzheimer's, go take your, put your affairs in order. There's nothing we can do about it. Uh, there's something in the body called psychoimmunology, which is basically our psychology affects our immunity. So the more negative we are, or if we don't feel there's a future, those immune cells actually can attack ourselves, you know, can, can quicken that process. So I believe what we do is we believe that you've probably heard a lot about red light therapy and how the, there's, there's six, there's actually 470 nanometer light, 650 nanometer light, and 810 nanometer light. These are the light frequencies that our brain loves. And what we need to do is get more of that light into the brain. The most underprescribed nutrient on earth today is light. And so when we give light to the brain and we get the body going, there's actually, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with an, a, a ball, a footballer we have here, his name is Tom Brady. He's a professional football player. He has some clothing called TB12. It's it's actually recovery wear. Okay. Well, my science officer actually designed that clothing. Oh. It has ceramics in it. The ceramics in that clothing, which I'm uh, usually wearing one of those t-shirts when I travel, especially on airplanes, because it protects you against radiation. That, that clothing has ceramics in it because every person on earth is generating between 810 and 860 nanometer light. And wow. what they've shown, every person is generating that light frequency. So if you're healthy, you're vibrant, you're in a state of grace, love, and gratitude, they've actually shown that those people are actually broadcasting 200 times more light than people who are in a state of anxiety, depression, pain, all of these things. So, you know, when somebody says shine your light or they say we're light beings, the reality is that we are really truly sharing that light. And they, we do this through something called biophotonic exchange. So when we feed light into the brain, we're basically giving the mitochondria the light that it needs to keep the mitochondria going. And then now we can get we can get the instruction set. Now, the less light we have, the less we can broadcast that information because every you probably heard that the genome was mapped in 20, 2003, right? Yep. The reality is they only map 1% of it. That's because the other 99% changes every 40 seconds. Now we have technology that we know that other 99% is actually changing who we are. So when you get up in the morning at four o'clock in the morning to do your run and you're excited about it, your body's going, wow, let's go do that. Where if 
probably 90% of the people listening to this, this podcast here, get up at four o'clock in the morning and run. What are you talking about? You know, there needs to go, you know, it's going to, it's going to shrink because what we're excited about, you know, when we get excited, you know, I used to say in college, I think I got more excited about going out than when I went out and drank. I got, I was more excited before I went out. We'd say, if we could just bottle that pre going out, that the expectation was so high. And of course, then the night wore on and you went home with all your buddies. You know, that wasn't so exciting, but you know, it was really exciting to think about. So if we could live our life, like every day is that exciting, you know, I'm going to get up, I'm going to exercise my body. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be the, I'm going to show up as my best self. I'm going to treat people with energy and vitality and love and whatever that is. Then our body mirrors that right down to the energy level. I, I truly believe we live in an energy economy and whatever we can do. And that's what this whole, like they, they've kind of put us into this biohacking kind of genre, but it's really health optimization. I mean, that when we look at health optimization, we're looking at how can we get our body to function at its best, whether it's a, a stressful event or an intimate event, we need to have our body be able to, you know, function in those two areas. And mitochondrial health is at the cornerstone of all of that. And that's really what we did. That's why we brought light, sound and vibration into the equation, because just meditating, a lot of people meditate, which is great, but they have their own stinking thinking. You know, they haven't upgraded their thinking. And, and meditation isn't about just taking your old thinking and generating new thoughts out of it. You've got to get, you've got to get an upgrade. You know, you got to upgrade that thinking and that has to do with energy. How did you develop brain tap? Well, I was very fortunate. My dad was a, a Silva. Uh, it was called the Silva method. And we learned how to meditate with a piece of music called the Silva sound. And I grew up with this, you know, when I was 12 years old, I made my first recording. So I'd always knew about the sound part of it. And then I got involved with a group called Light and Sound Research. And we were trying to build a clinical model because we had one called the SILS. It was $10,000 back in the 80s. And the founder, unfortunately, he died, passed away, left no information. So, but fortunately, my undergraduate was in electronics. So I said, let's rebuild it. Let's build something new. And we stumbled across building a little one that was just a prototype, but we didn't have any money. And I said, well, let's make 10 of these. I can sell them and get some more money going. And I sold them within a week. And the rest of the group, there were six of us, the rest of the group goes, how many do you think you can sell? I said, well, it's working. I think I think I can sell more. So we basically funded it by making these. And there was used to be a clinic, uh, a parts uh, you could buy called Radio Shack here. You could buy all the electronic parts. And we basically built them in the back office and sold them in the front end when I was seeing their, my clients for therapy. And it just kind of one thing led to the next. And I've been out there you know, beating the drum ever since. And now it seems like everybody's, it's the time right now. I was a little ahead of my time because before we were looked at like aliens from another planet that descended to earth, you know, there were no CDs, there were no cell phones. There was, there was no downloads. Nobody heard of the internet. You know, all this is relatively new. Now this makes it easy to deliver across the world. And I think it's the time for it because we're, so many people are so stressed out right now. We need something to eliminate that stress. New school, right? Yeah. <laughs> they can have a new school. Uh, it's part of me kind of likes old school things and the old school way of doing stuff because I, I do feel like with, yes, technology has improved and it's gotten better, but I also feel like on the same same front, it's sort of doing damage to our brains. How can we protect our brains more with the advent of 
technology happening in our world? Because it's going to get it's going to get more yeah. heightened, right? Well, number one thing is to make sure you get grounded daily. Get outside, touch the earth, or use some kind of grounding device because our bodies are designed to reciprocate that energy with the earth. We're kind of like um, acupuncture needles, really, for the earth. I mean, when we walk on the earth, also in Japan, they call it forest bathing, getting out in nature. You know, I'm a big one for taking walks. We live in the we live in the woods, so when I'm home, it's very easy to do that. Um, when we look at even at what we've developed, we're taking ancient technology or tradition and making modern technology. A candle or a fire burns at 10 hertz frequency. So when we're looking at a candle flicker, when people meditate to it, they're really looking at a old school brain tap because that's what we did. We modeled that. But what we can do that a candle can is we can change the frequency of that flicker and we can change the brain. So in, in our world, those flickering changes from our sun Right in the morning, we have different light frequencies to tell our body. One thing that you get, Jay, that other people don't, and I learned about this in India when I was traveling through India. We do a lot with Ames India, the All Indian Institute of Medical Science. And what they would do if somebody was having brain trouble or, or mental wellness in India 10,000 years ago, they would have the people go outside two years before sun, I mean, two hours before sunrise. In that two hours, there's more infrared light hitting the planet in whatever you're, wherever you're at, than at any other time of the day. So you're getting, when you're running, you're bathing your body in infrared light, which is healthy for the brain. And it's not, you're not getting the, it's not being slowed down. It still makes it through the house, but you're getting it full blast while you're out there running. And that's really good for your body. That's why they do yoga in the morning. And that's also why they do Tai Chi in the morning is because they know that there's a sacred time for that. And that infrared, I mean, you could do everything that we do with brain tap. Obviously, you could do it some old school way, like you could go to a drum circle and you could get the same effect as binaural beats or isochronic tones. Um, but the problem is that like most people, they don't want to do it. They don't want to take the effort. So we made it easy. You just put this on, hit play. It depends on how your brain regulates. Some people get locked into um, that's that, um, you know, that stress response. And every time you look at your phone, uh, most people don't realize this, but every time you look, you get a little dopamine hit. Dopamine's an aggressor. So it's going to motivate you to do something. Now, when you're getting ready to go to bed, you don't want to have an adjutant. You want they have more of the alpha theta you want to do like a, maybe a bath or listen to some music or listen to a comedy something to calm you down or like read a book or something like that yes reading a book is awesome yeah that's really good that, that's 10 that's like what i try and do because i don't know if you can tell i'm an avid reader uh, i try and wind down a very busy day but i'm already fatigued because <laughs> I mean, if you're getting up at 4am in the morning and then going to bed, uh, well, come five o'clock in the afternoon, you, you're already zonked. Like you're done. <laughs> yes. your, your brain just wants it. It's rest, which kind of brings me on to the next topic. I know how valuable your time is Dr. Porter. So I won't be too much longer. Um, but when it comes down to sleep and the amount of sleep quality and all those things, how important firstly is sleep for our brain and recovery and how much sleep should we be getting? Right. Sleep is ultimately important. The most important thing that you need for your brain to function. In fact, if you 
sleeping three nights in a row, they say it's equivalent of being driving drunk. You know, so your brain needs that. It's when you incubate your superpowers for the next day. But really what's happening physiologically is you're getting all your neurotransmitters so you can think better and act better and respond better to things. Uh, but sleep is a personal equation. So you really need those, what I was talking about at the very beginning, you need at least an hour of deep sleep and two hours of REM sleep, uh, no matter how you measure it you're gonna find that the rest kind of falls into place. Some people get by with six hours. Some people get by with eight hours. Uh, I don't think, I think it's somewhere between there for most. I, I believe that you should take your vacation time to figure that out when you don't have to wake up. I'm personally against alarm clocks. Uh, I If I do set an alarm, which I usually don't ever do that, but if I have to get up for a flight at like three in the morning or something like that, I might set but I still don't wake up to it. I'll wake up before that because as soon as you set an alarm, you're setting an anticipatory stress moment and the brain knows about it. And it, so your sleep is interrupted. You're not going to get as much. So I encourage people to find out their sleep score or their sleep timing, which you can do when you don't have to wake up. Just go to sleep at your predetermined time. Even if you're on vacation, if you go to sleep at 10 o'clock, go to sleep at 10 o'clock. Get up, get up out of bed. A lot of people, they know they're awake, but put themselves back to sleep. That's probably the worst thing you can do for your brain. Now your brain is trying to get through another cycle of sleep. And then let's at a wrong side of the bed. That's really, you woke up in the middle of a sleep cycle. You need to wake up at the up cycle of a sleep program. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm not a fan of alarm clocks. I've never had one, never need one. Even if I do have something on that I got to prepare myself for, I'll make sure that I'm up well in advance for that. And my body just naturally wakes me up. Maybe I'm just very unique. Who knows? <laughs> I'm a unique individual, Dr. Porter, getting up at 4am in the morning and then yeah. going to bed super early. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, hopefully my, well, hopefully my brain stays healthy over, over the years. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, they say, they say one hour of sleep before 12 is like two hours of sleep after 12. Wow. That's because of the, what it does for the melatonin two, we don't produce melatonin at the levels that we need. So if you're getting to bed earlier, you're getting the, the maximum amount of neurotransmitter activity, which is great. They say also that a good night's sleep starts early in the morning, I believe, with that yes. sunlight you were talking about, getting that melatonin kicking and firing away with that sun and, and the sun rays hitting your body. I mean, right now I'm looking at a beautiful sunrise it's pretty incredible i wish i could show you but yeah. um yeah i'm a big proponent on light and and going for walks and that sort of thing my my second final question for you dr porter is what what is it what is exciting you about the future well what's exciting to me about the future is that i i think that we're going to come up with some training that people can have home training for their brain where they can measure it and score it better than anything else. We're working on some things like that. That's got me really excited. And just the thought of the light therapy for everything. I mean, we're finding out that whether it be lasers or low level light therapy, our body needs that light. And as we learn to tune those frequencies, and, and there's a lot of great people working on it right now, we're going to find that maybe we'll take light showers in the morning before we take our physical showers or after our showers, because our body needs light that much. And unfortunately, our sun is getting blocked by all the pollution. So we need to somehow uh, help help out the sun, just like we have to help out our body with nutrition. I think light 
is now a nutrient. And uh, so we need that daily. Mm. Couldn't agree with you more. You mean yesterday I went down to the beach and you know how you're talking about people meditating and, and things like that and getting the, the sun on them. Uh, I saw a group of people doing yoga and I, I'm from the, originally I'm from the suburbs. So I never, never saw any of that. So it was good to see like a beautiful sunrise with all these people just doing yoga as the sun is rising and the beach is behind them. I mean, that is like next level cool yeah. <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. Maybe that's just me and, and my naivety of barely seeing that happen. Maybe as time goes on, it might get a little bit normalized. Who knows? We'll find that out. But Dr. Poyter, I've really enjoyed this conversation with you. My final question for you. This is my all-time favorite question I ask all my guests at the very end. It is a hypothetical one, but I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll call it magic for the sake of argument. They've been able to get it and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life. We reached a billion brains and the world has changed because you decided to make a change within yourself. And now others are following that example. If I can hear that at a hundred, I'll be the happiest man that ever lived. That is awesome. Where can people find you, Dr. Porter and, and connect with your work? Well, they can go to drpatrickporter.com and they can see everything we have there or they can go to at drpatrickporter on social media. They can go to braintap.info and get a free book and also 15 days on our app and there's no credit card necessary. They can just go there and try it out. I think it's amazing. I'll make sure that is all linked in the show notes below. But Dr. Porter, thank you so much for your time today, your wisdom, your advice, your story as well. And for joining me today on the Storybox podcast. All right. Thanks for having me, Jay. It was great being on. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com